0: My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast,
1: aging is more than just boosting NAD plus, right? Like we are a complex system, right? And you just talked about inflammation just a second ago. So how do we actually like maintain liver function, right? Insulin sensitivity in the liver, insulin sensitivity in the muscle, these sorts of things that would potentially contribute to a loss of NAD So I guess what we're just trying to say is. If you're just interested in boosting, which we're not, we're interested in boosting and preventing the degradation. If you're just interested in boosting, then yeah, you just take Niacinamide. But we believe that there's an offensive and defensive role.
0: Fitness, nutrition, biohacking, longevity, life optimization, spirituality, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the Ben Greenfield Life Show. Are you ready to hack your life? Let's do this. If you're in your thirties or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name, zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells and the folks at neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called qualia senolytic qualia senolytic now this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells it could take years off how old you feel in just months. And you only use it twice a month. Six capsules twice a month. Super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month. Nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try, try qualia senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com/slash Seno, s-e-n-o. Neurohacker.com slash ben seno backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, and that code Ben Senno will give you an additional 15% off at NeuroHacker.com forward slash Senno. All right, folks, you probably see me wearing that weird thing in the back of my arm called the Levels Blood Glucose Monitor. Amazing company. As a matter of fact, uh, Tim Ferriss, a podcaster, recently interviewed the, the guy who runs Levels on his show. It was a great interview. They talked more about business than they did about blood glucose, but Levels is changing the game. When it comes to helping you get real-time feedback on your diet, on your exercise, on your entire life, all your protocols using a continuous glucose monitor. You can understand in real time how everything that you're doing, from a cold bath to a green bean, to a steak, to your favorite shake, to a handful of dark chocolate almonds, you know, on a plane versus on a walk, you name it. Anything you want to test. In terms of how it's affecting what I consider to be one of the most important elements of longevity, your glycemic variability, how often your blood glucose goes up and down during the day, you can test with Levels. Levels.link slash Ben is where you can get a one-month supply of continuous glucose monitors and a 12-month membership to their software. With an additional two free months of their annual membership, it's the best way to track your blood glucose. Levels.link slash Ben, their app interprets your glucose data, provide you with a simple score after you eat a meal. Seeing this data in real time is a super powerful behavior change mechanism as well. Trust me, when you know you're going to be looking at your blood glucose later on, it's a lot easier to skip the pretzels and the M&Ms. It really is. Levels.link Ben is where you can take advantage of this additional two free months of Levels membership. Get your one-month supply of continuous glucose monitors. Levels.link Ben. All right, folks. I've talked about probiotics. You know I like them. Unfortunately, a lot of probiotics do not survive in your gut. They don't have everything that they need to support the actual, the, the healthy feeding of the bacteria. I pay a lot of attention to the supplements industry. I look at a lot of stuff, and the number one probiotic that exists, bar none in my opinion, is the seed DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. I know that's a mouthful. DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. 24 clinically and scientifically studied probiotic strains, not found in yogurt, most supplements or fermented foods or beverages, all packed into this tiny little green capsule. Turns out everything you think you know about probiotics is actually wrong. Fermented foods and beverages like kimchi and kombucha and kefir don't have... The number of bacteria or the amount of what you need as a source of beneficial, effective bacteria so you can supplement to keep your levels topped off. Did you know even things like airline travel and poor sleep affect your gut biome so you can take this stuff to keep your biome humming along even when you're beat up and stressed? Their capsule-in-capsule design safeguards the probiotics through inhospitable conditions like stomach acid and enzymes and bile salts, and delivers the probiotic strains 100% alive and well to the end of the small intestine, then into the colon, where they can offer a host of digestive health benefits, including the best, easy, slippery poops. That's what you get with the Seed DSO-1 daily symbiotic. So you go to seed.com slash Ben Greenfield, S-E-E-D.com slash Ben Greenfield, and use code BEN to try this Seed probiotic now for yourself. S-E-E-D d.com slash ben greenfield news code ben all right folks if you've been interested in this molecule everybody's talking about that seems to be kind of controversial nad or nr or nmn or whatever you want to call it you're going to want to tune in to today's show because i have a couple of guys who are really smart when it comes to this stuff join with with me uh to, uh, to discuss all things NAD. So my first guest is Dr. Michael Roberts. He's a professor in the School of Kinesiology at Auburn University, where he directs the Molecular and Applied Sciences Laboratory and the Applied Physiology Laboratory. So basically, this guy has published over 180 different publications in several permanent physiology and nutrition journals. Uh, he edits a lot of these journals. He presents at scientific conferences. And uh, one particular area of expertise for Dr. Michael Roberts is NAD, and he's worked with companies like uh, Compound Solutions and the International Protein Board, and kind of serves to advise a lot of these companies that are developing products that might contain something something like NAD or NR, or NMN, or. You know, he'll he'll clear up the air about what all those different terms mean. My other guest, because this is a three-way, is Matt Titlau, who's the CEO of Compound Solutions. And they actually create and provide unique science backed ingredients to different nutrition companies, uh, including one called Biostack Labs, which I think we're going to mention in today's show. And so uh I've got some articles at Ben Greenfield Life that I've already written about NAD. I'll link to those. I'll link to everything else that we talk about in today's show. Uh, So all of the show notes are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash ingredients. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash ingredients, where you can also see the video of today's episode. So guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us, Ben.
0: Yeah, for sure. And by the way, for people who are old school like me, listening to the audio, not watching the video, uh, uh, Matt, go ahead and speak up so people know your voice and then Michael. Oh,
1: okay. Yep, this is me, Matt.
0: <laughs> All right. Yep,
1: this is this Matt. is my Mike Roberts.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. Coming through my headphones, Mike Mike's slightly louder and Matt's more soft spoken. So there, that's that's how you guys might yeah. be able to tell these guys apart. So who 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 would like to take on the massive task of explaining exactly what NAD is and what it's doing on a cellular level? I realize that's a jam-packed question, but I'll hand it over to you guys.
2: Sure. I guess I can start, Ben. So, um, you know, I'm sort of a molecular biologist by trade, and I sort of apply that um, set of lenses to exercise science research. Uh, but when you read like an ex-phys textbook, historically, you you sort of appreciate NAD as an electron carrier. And as you know, uh, cells, they need energy to function. And in order to harness the energy in cells, you need to have cellular NAD plus to carry electrons to the electron transport chain so you can eventually produce ATP in the cell. Uh, And that's kind of the main energy currency uh, of all cellular biochemical reactions. So Historically, you know, uh, I think people would view NAD as, as kind of this, this energy transfer molecule. Um, a lot of interesting data has sort of surfaced, I would say, since really the early 2000s, right? So, and around 2000 or so, researchers showed that, you know, if you elicit nutrient deprivation, uh, whether that's in vitro, like in a Petri dish or uh, in, in rodents, uh, this can increase longevity, and people started linking that to uh, NAD+, plus levels increasing in certain cells or tissues, things like that.
0: Okay. And by the way, just, just to interrupt you real quick, if people say NAD, do they really mean NAD+, plus? Like from a semantic standpoint, because it sounds to me like NAD plus is the electron carrier. So is there a difference? Like when I'm talking about NAD, am I going to sound dumb hanging around with, you know, smart guys like you if I'm not saying NAD plus instead of NAD?
2: No, that's that's a good question. I typically we say NAD or any, you know, NAD would be NAD plus and then NADH would be the reduced or, um, yeah, the reduced form that's carrying the electron to the electron transport chain.
0: Okay, okay, got it. So when it's carrying an electron, it's NADH, and when it's not carrying an electrons, it's NAD+? That's correct. Okay, got it.
2: Yeah. So since I'd say the early 2000s, and there's been a lot of names that uh, some of your more educated listeners probably recognize, right? So David Sinclair at Harvard, uh, Lenny Gorrente at yeah. uh, MIT, Charles Brenner, um, Shinichiro, these folks, did a lot of work, and what they realized um, was that hey, look, you know, things like sirtuin activation occur through NAD plus. Uh, mitochondrial NAD levels are linked to cell survival, mitochondrial function, and the like. Uh, research since then has shown that certain DNA repair enzymes are called PARPs. Uh, they're activated by NAD plus.
0: And what what's uh, what's PARP stand for?
2: So that's a poly ADP ribose polymerase, and it just okay. aids in in repairing uh, damaged DNA. Okay. And uh, so, you know, having this metabolite not only is critical for cell function through you know energy transfer and ATP production, but then you talk about sirtuin activation, you talk about PARP activation, and uh, these enzymes are also critical for cell survival, mitochondrial function, and the like.
0: Okay, got it. So we're not just talking about ATP production, or are we talking about the fact that NAD plus as an electron carrier, or or NAD, sorry, NADH is the electron carrier, right? Yeah, so the molecule itself is carrying the
2: electron in the reduced form, you know, NADH that's going to to have the electron to to the electron transport chain
0: okay all right so when you're talking about sirtuin activation PARP activation uh, some of the other functions that you hear about NAD supporting is all of that just basically stemming down from NAD's ability to help the cell produce more ATP or are those functions that are in addition to helping the cell produce more ATP does that make sense
2: Yeah, yeah, that does make that's a good question, Ben. So it is in addition to, because NAD plus can act as a cofactor and, and interact with these enzymes in order to increase their activity.
0: Okay, got it. So even if it's not an electron carrier, even if it's not helping the cell produce ATP, there's other functions like some of these repair and maintenance functions that you're talking about that it's doing as well. Hundred percent. Okay. All right. Got it. How come it got so popular? Because like I interviewed Sinclair back in the day and. Obviously, some people even talked about how, you know, I've, I know he he might listen to this show, so I'll be nice. But I think some people have said, you know, he might have profit motives. Some people, you know, are, are concerned about the whole, you know, industry behind NAD just being all about making money that we don't have to supplement with it. Like, what, what do you guys think spiked this whole interest in NAD? Because it seems to be very popular now.
2: Yeah, I guess I can jump in. So there's a few sort of milestone publications, right? Some of which was the energy restriction, linking it to NAD plus, uh, and then that being linked to longevity. Uh, since then, they've done a lot of um, different study. You know, we've done some studies, for instance, showing if we get a muscle biopsy from an older individual, and then if we mm-hmm. get a muscle biopsy out of a younger individual, and we look at tissue levels of of NAD plus with increased age you're going to show decrements in in muscle content. Um, There was a Minnesota study, I think, around 2012 or 2013 where they did MRI imaging of the brain. And so you you know, obviously you get pretty pictures from that, but you can also do uh sort of metabolomics. And uh these researchers showed that brain levels sort of showed this incremental decrease Uh, with aging. And again, that would be NAD plus. Hmm. Um, There've been other studies. I think there was one in Australia showing that with skin cells, there's also this linear decrease of NAD plus uh, with aging. So really what's capturing people's attention and imagination is, hey, look, with aging, we see this natural decrement and it seems to be linear in this metabolite, right? Uh yeah. Now you marry that with the fact that we know it can activate enzymes that are needed for cellular maintenance and repair. And again, that's a direct interaction of metabolite with these enzymes. Um I think it sort of makes sense that people want to increase right their their NAD levels, um, be it through diet exercise, lifestyle modification or the like. So
0: yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. It seems to me the surge in interest has kind of paralleled the surge in interest in anti-aging and life extension and longevity as a whole, which kind of makes sense if it tends to be as depleted as you're saying it is based on these muscle biopsies of older people. Is it the same? Uh, do you know in men versus women when you're looking at these biopsies and the depletion that happens with age?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. It, I don't. My read of the literature seems to be it's not so dependent on sex uh it it just seems to be a function of aging right um
0: yeah yeah that, but, but what about other things i mean because you know there's this comprehensive article that i recently released at ben greenfield life and again i'll link to all this stuff you go to slash ingredients because we're going to talk about some different ingredients that could help to increase nad in the body but in that article i talked about how some of the stuff I've seen that can deplete NAD probably come as no surprise to people like alcohol or poor sleep or inflammation or insulin resistance, but it are all of those similar pathways. And this might be kind of a loaded question or are there different pathways via which each of the things that we know are depleting NAD are depleting it. I mean, is it just the cells getting beat up or is alcohol doing something different than poor sleep, different than inflammation you know, different than insulin resistance, for example. I think um, you may have different mechanisms of action,
2: and so you know, doing this with this line of research with Matt and other colleagues. Uh, this, I you know, I started my journey about three years ago. Matt, is that about right? With, with yes, you. and okay. so I, I said, okay, you know. To your question, Ben, why would we wanna increase NAD levels? And then you quickly find, okay, it's linked to longevity, got it, it's activating these enzymes, got it, okay. Is this like a, is this, um, we, we know Americans, for instance, and in really developed countries, they have poor diets. So is this because we don't have enough um, vitamin B3, which is a precursor, right, to, to cells making NAD, is, is that the problem? And my read on the literature is it's not, at least according to the RDA. Uh, We'll get into that later because it seems like if you supplement uh, with, uh, you know, um, relatively higher levels of of B3 or NR, whatever, then you're going to see this bump in NAD. But all that being said, I don't think it's, you know, at large sort of diet, people not hitting the RDA. Does that make sense?
0: You, you think that the strip in NAD that we see with age is not because people aren't getting enough vitamin B3? That's correct. Okay. And, so, so so and, it would be some of these other reasons like alcohol and poor yeah, sleep and inflammation? Anyway,
2: so then with aging, what's going on, and I can speak to our own research. Uh, we published a study a couple of years ago, and we looked at young versus old. Uh, and I'd say old, it's about 60 years old. And we showed that. Muscle tissue NAD plus levels were were lower, like 60% lower. Uh, now, these people did not exercise, right? We then had them engage with 10 weeks of resistance training, and we showed a restoration uh, to, to, you know, pseudo-youth-like levels. So exercise certainly can affect it. We also looked at the enzyme in the muscle that's responsible for generating and maintaining NAD plus levels. It's called NAMP-T. And we showed that exercise was able to increase the levels of that enzyme. So that's where I think physical activity. And if you talk about aging and people just generally being more sedentary, perhaps part of the decrement in muscle at least is related to this decrease
0: in NAMP-T enzyme content, right? Okay. Some, something uh, important there, by the way, though, you said it was 10 weeks of resistance training That's right. And then you said physical activity. Do you think it matters like cardio versus weight training when it comes to natural methods to increase NAD?
2: I think it's a conserved mechanism across both modalities, to be quite honest with you, because uh, the only study prior to us doing that um, was done. It was out of ECU and they were looking at endurance training and they showed that endurance training can elevate muscle NAPT levels. So, okay. um, there's some sort of conserved mechanism, and you see this with other things like myostatin. I don't know if you've ever delved into that uh, can of worms, but myostatin's not good for muscle growth. Well, whether you, you go <laughs> I've, and I've, go- or- I've
0: googled myostatin knockout bowl and myostatin knockout dog <laughs> and myostatin myostatin knockout mouse, and that that Google image search result will show you some pretty good. Proof in the streets of what happens when, when you get rid of myostatin and, and yeah, yeah. it's oh, yeah. something that, that oh, supports yeah. muscle growth.
2: And to be clear, myostatin so far as we know, doesn't have any link with, with NAD, but that's just an example. If, if, if you look at something like myostatin, which is a protein your muscle produces, if you go out for a run or if you lift weights, there's a conserved mechanism where both modalities will downregulate the production of that, that gene and protein and muscles. So it seems to be the same with NAMP-T which is the enzyme that's used to maintain cellular NAD levels, right? That exercise can, can affect that. I think yeah. a big thing, and Matt, you can hit on this, and we've talked about this, is inflammation, right? We've all heard that term, and, and it's, uh, it's been thrown around a lot, and I don't like using it because really when you talk about the biomarkers to define inflammation, you're going to get some differences in opinion there. But here's the deal right? We know, uh, if, if you're getting older and you don't exercise and your diet's not good and we take a blood draw, we're going to see the elevation in certain cytokines, right? Which are just proteins in the blood that are going to promote this low grade inflammation because they trigger immune cells to produce, uh, inflammatory mediators. And that's bad, uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, it can sort of, uh, depress uh, exercise adaptations, right? There's been obvious cardiovascular issues um, in terms of atherogenesis and high blood pressure, this, that, and the other. There's uh, metabolic issues with uh, insulin resistance uh, with low-grade inflammation. Well, with inflammaging uh, immune cells, they have a protein that's called CD38. CD38 is also a consumer, just like PARPs, Mm-hmm. And just like uh, sirtuins, CD38 is a consumer of NAD+. And so with this inflamm aging, you may sort of up the consumption of NAD levels. And that could be one of the reasons as to why, you know, you see this decrease, uh, not only with aging, but really we're talking about aging and poor lifestyle. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, it totally does. And, and I mean, like, uh, there's this one uh, political commentator I listen to sometimes, his name is Charlie Kirk. And he has this ad on his show where he says, Yeah, I fly all over the country. And one of the ways that I've kept myself from feeling as though I've been hit by a truck, you know, with however many hundreds of hours of flying the guy does, you know, on a, on a near monthly basis, he says, "Is I use NAD. And I thought that was interesting that I heard him say that I was, I'm, it's fresh in my mind because I think I heard him running that ad this morning. When I'm low on sleep, when I'm doing a lot of like hefty airline travel, when I've been hit with a high amount of inflammation, even though I live a pretty clean lifestyle, you know, NAD seems to help me out a ton. And so there's definitely something going on. I mean, even, even like lack of sleep or sleep deprivation seems to make a pretty good dent in that too. So it, it would make sense then... Coming at it from the other way, that inflammation, whether it's from a poor diet or from airline travel or, you know, high EMF stress or whatever, could be helped out by restoration of NAD levels. And inflammation could also deplete NAD levels more rapidly. Yeah.
1: Yep. Exactly. If I could jump in, this is exactly why we're even collaborating with Mike, uh, Dr. Mike Roberts at, at Auburn, is because at the end of the day, it's not about boosting. Because if we're just boosting, we just take niacinamide and our NMN and and be done with it. But it's about the NAD plus pools, right? Your status, you know, it's about maybe preserving the deck, you know, the declination, the the decline, the degradation of NAD plus. So it's about playing offense and defense, Um, like, for example, with that NAMPT enzyme, for example.
0: Okay, so offense and defense, when you're saying that, you mean, like, Taking stuff in addition to just vitamin B three niacinamide,
1: that's exactly. It, it essentially, you prevent the deg or you want to uh, reduce the degradation while also, you know, uh, laying the foundation for a boost. In other words, do you want to just flood the system with NAD plus precursors? And we argue, no, you don't want to do that. That you, you know, it's it's almost like, hey, do you want to just take like a load of niacinamide and smoke a cigarette? You're probably not, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, okay. this is what we're trying to do is play offense and defense so their NAD plus status remains
0: balanced. Okay, I'm actually very interested in that because I was with somebody who's I consider to be pretty smart in the whole nutrition and supplements industry a few weeks ago. We were walking on the beach and he's like, Ben, like all these you know, NAD, NR, NMN supplement companies, they're crap. They're just making a dime. All you need to do is take niacinamide, that keeps your NAD levels restored just fine. Good old dirt cheap, vitamin B3. What you're saying is that's just one part of the equation? That
1: is. And we're agnostic to that booster. You know, like call it niacinamide. Uh, to For half of the equation, I agree with him, right? So uh, we're agnostic to whether it's NMN, NR, or um, niacin, e- even for, for that matter. And there's studies, there's at least a study showing that they are, boosting n Plus at relatively equal levels. In yeah, other words, miller, okay. milligram per milligram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a study in okay.
2: 2020 from a Japanese group, and, and and you can take all of these boosters, and you're seeing sort of the same thing. Uh, thing. And Ben, to your point, uh, right, you can just take the, the niacinamide, and it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> but yeah. And I don't make a buck, by the way, on any of this. I just, you know, full disclosure, right, um, obviously I've consulted with Matt and it's more scientific advising. But as products go, uh, they sell and other people make money, man. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Okay. So so explain this to me just a little bit more about why I couldn't just take niacinamide. Because you said you're boosting and, and you're, I think, uh, maintaining uh, the pools or at least decrease the amount of degradation of what you're boosting. But what, what exactly is going on? And then would you say then, as a part of this, like ideal scenario you take niacinamide but then you also take some form of nad so
1: it it, it is what we uh believe is that you take something like a uh, a substrate right like a like a niacinamide for example but you're also working on the defensive side you're you're trying to prevent the degradation and that's like what we'll talk about uh later probably is like nad3 which contains theacrine and there are others because Aging is more than just boosting NAV plus, right? Like we are a complex system, right? And you just talked about inflammation uh, just a second ago. So how do we actually like maintain uh, liver function, right? Insulin sensitivity in the liver, insulin sensitivity in the muscle, these sorts of things that would potentially contribute to a loss of NAV plus. So I guess what we're just trying to say is if you're just interested in boosting, which we're not, we're interested in boosting And preventing the degradation. If you're just interested in boosting, then yeah, you just take niacinamide. But we believe that there's an offensive and defensive role.
0: If you're in your 30s or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different, newly discovered, plant-derived ingredients that, when expertly combined, can help to reduce senescent cells And the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic, Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel in just months. And you only use it twice a month, six capsules twice a month, super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month nuking my senescent cells, and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, and that code Ben Seno will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash Ben Seno. All right, folks. So Lots of myths and truths and confusion about NAD out there. Do I use niacinamide or NR or NMN or NAD? And it, it, like, NAD is amazing. It helps to protect your cells. It helps you live longer. helps when you're poor on sleep. It helps after inflammation. But a lot of it has a hard time getting into your cells or it doesn't work properly or isn't formulated right. Do you know what the best, most intelligently formulated NAD product out there is? I thought so. It's called NAD Regen. It has three different factors in it that help to support your body's own NAD production and keep the niacinamide that's in it from being broken down so you get more of that stuff converted into NAD. And it works so well. It's not forcing more NAD precursors into my body when I use it. It's actually working to support my body's natural processes to recycle and optimize my NAD status. It's made by a company called Biostack Labs. All their products are amazing, but the NAD is off the hook. I take three a day along with their cell shield. Three this, three that, boom, done, walk away. Don't have to go get an IV or anything. NAD is amazing. If you haven't used it, you'll be shocked at how good you feel, especially if, like me, you live a hard-charging, stressed, active lifestyle. You get 15% off site-wide at Biostack Labs, including their NAD regen. Here's how. 15% 15% off when you spend over 100 bucks at com slash Ben, and you get your first bottles of NAD regen from that site. biostacklabs.com forward slash Ben. biostacklabs.com forward slash Ben, and now you can go and see what all the craze about Biostack Labs is and all the craze about NAD is. Try it out. You're going to love it. I actually want to hear a little bit more about that offensive and defensive role But before that, back to, I guess, what might be the offensive role, you know, we've already named some things like sleep deprivation, inflammation, you know, too much airline travel, exposure to EMF, you know, insulin uh, issues with, you know, probably a link to the diet from that standpoint. But what about ways you could naturally increase it? Because I've heard people talk about stuff like sauna or Man, I think fermented foods was another thing I heard one time. But what, what are some ways that, that you would naturally increase NAD or even things that you guys would do if you were to say, okay, I couldn't take any supplements at all? How am I going to keep NAD up?
2: I think the big one is is what we hit upon earlier, and that's exercise. I mean, no question, right? So uh, if, if you want, Ben, I can send you the article you could put in your show notes or, you know,
0: yeah, for sure. It.
2: But in older individuals, which again had around sixty percent decrements in muscle NAD levels relative to college-age individuals, uh, just ten weeks of training, and that was total of twenty training sessions, it restored those levels. And we thought that it operated through that NAMPT enzyme, which is part of the salvage pathway that keeps NAD levels, uh, relatively higher. So the big, the big one is exercise to be clear. Right. Okay. Um, the other is, you know, I did a little bit of digging into alcohol consumption. There's a guy at UCLA uh, by the name of Sam French, uh, where he's proposed, uh, you know, in rodents at least, uh, that high blood alcohol levels, which are experimentally induced, Will lower liver uh, levels of, of NAD plus. So, uh, nothing wrong, obviously, with the occasional drink. Yeah, but if you're binge drinking all the time, probably not good for the liver NAD plus levels, and, and that may trickle down to other tissues as well, right? Right.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, glad you brought that up too. That you mentioned binge drinking because most of the studies I've seen on the deleterious effects of alcohol involve an amount of ethanol that would cause someone to become near inebriated. I don't know a lot of health enthusiasts who are doing like a little, like me, like a little bit of bitters or a nice digestif. Like, you know, I've been on on a Croatian Polenkovac kick lately, or, you know, Libo from Italy, you know, like handcrafted, or wild crafted, you know, herbs and plants and bitters that have a little bit of alcohol added to them that, you know, I'm serving over sparkling water with a little bit of lemon. That's way different than like, you know, a couple of six pack of beer on a Saturday night or going through like three fishbowl-sized glasses of wine on three different nights of the week (laughs) when you're stressed out. Like I I really think we have to not use baby talk when it comes to alcohol and have it be black and white, yes or no. I think the Mm -hmm. dose of course is the poison. The delivery method is the poison. And you know I, I personally use NAD and I drink alcohol, but I highly doubt that even like my type of alcohol consumption is stripping my body's levels of NAD that, that remarkably, you know.
2: Agreed. Yep. Agreed. So yeah, those are the big ones. And then, you know, you talked about sleep deprivation or jet lag or or what have you. I've seen a little bit of literature and I can't recall any of the authors, but I looked into that. Um, And that's a bit of a chicken or the egg thing because, or chicken or the egg thing, excuse me because I know they're trying to use boosters to perhaps restore sleep. Um, but does sleep cause deprivation? So I think there's a little bit of science to be parsed yeah. out there.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But, but by, by the way, Hey, by the way, have, have either of you guys ever been sleep deprived and just taken a bunch of NAD? Like, like, you know, whether it's uh, I know Matt, you make the, uh, or you're involved with the cell region stuff from BioStack labs. That's one that I've taken like a, double dose of on a sleep deprived day. Have either of you guys actually done that?
2: I've been sleep deprived, but I have not.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I have four right. kids, very young. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Always. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we need to try that in your household. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You,
0: you, you do. That's that's actually my stack for sleep deprivation is creatine and NAD and creatine. They've shown that slightly higher dosages for brain function and sleep deprivation, like 10 to 20 milligrams. And then even though I don't know the exact dosages on NAD, usually I just throw in a couple of extra capsules. It is a game changer yeah. to stack NAD and creatine mm-hmm. on a sleep deprived day. Like it's wow, it's wow. literally almost shocking the, the amount of extra willpower and brain power you get just from that stack alone. Yeah, that's interesting.
2: interesting. And I, this is kind of a left turn, but um, I've been involved with a lot of creatine research and we're showing brain, at least in the rodent model, and there's some human studies too, that creatine's good for the brain. But like you said, you probably higher doses. So you typically hear five grams per day is kind of the maintenance dose or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but folks like Darren Kandell, Scott Forbes, those guys would say, Hey man, let's go seven, 10 grams per day to get these added benefits to other tissues besides uh, skeletal muscles. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, Michael, I think you were saying there's not a huge difference between supplementing with NR or NAD or NMN. Like let's say you're already using a little bit of niacinamide as you've recommended. And then you want to keep levels up, like playing that defensive strategy. Are you saying it doesn't really matter if you use NR or NAD or NMN?
2: Well, so the uh, to be clear, I've not done those studies, right? But there was a recent study from Japan in 2021 that did the head-to-head comparison on, I believe it was NR. Um, it was niacinamide, right? And Matt, help me out there. There was, I think another-
1: was NMN. In a minute, in a yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, and they showed that it was like five or six people. So caveat being that it's relatively limited in scope, but looking at serial blood draws post-consumption that you would see the same response in the blood with NAD plus levels. So, hmm. so based on that uh, so far, it seems like all cause the same effect when it comes to boosting the metabolite. Um, but Buyer beware, right? I mean, research. It takes years to sort this stuff out, so I think we need a little bit more research yeah. um, to hone in on that because of the limited scope and end size and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. What do you think about that, Matt? I think you know. So far, it seems to be equivalent. So i I don't believe that there's a big difference at this time okay. between the three.
0: What What about NAD three? Because I think that's originally how I hooked up with you, Matt. Was I interviewed? Who right. was ton- I interviewed? Tony Robbins and Pierre Diamandis, and those guys yep. were like, "Dude, you got to check out NAD three. It's one of the best ways right. to keep levels boosted with oral right. supplementation." Later on, I connected with BioStack Labs, who was making these this uh, cell regen product that has right. the NAD three in it, and I think you've you've helped them out with that product. But what's the deal with NAD three?
1: So this came about from uh me and the let the late um, dr Hector Lopez I don't know if uh, you knew him a, a yeah, brilliant individual and yeah he was connected with Tony and Peter uh etc and so I went to Hector with an idea he and I went back and forth um and then uh, came up with n83. And um, then he involved his his partner, who we are still partners um, with, Tim Ziegenfuss, Doctor Tim Ziegenfuss, and also I'm involved with um, Hector Lopez, his wife Yari Lopez. Um, so what we were thinking is, okay, how do we again play a little bit of offense and defense, right? So on the defensive side, we went to Mike and said, hey, let's just start start uh, study this at a cellular level. And what we found is what Mike just said earlier, which is an upregulation of the NAMPT enzyme. So just like exercise keeps that, let's call it healthy or functioning. And that is what is converting that substrate, call it niacinamide, to NAD+. This is what we're finding, is that NAD3 is upregulating that enzyme. So when you have that substrate, it converts, call it niacinamide in the blood for example.
0: Okay. So NAD3 is upregulating the NAMPT enzyme, which is allowing for the conversion of something like uh, uh, niacinamide into NAD? That's exactly. Yes. Okay. Okay. And what is NAD3 exactly?
1: NAD3 is made up of three ingredients. One is theocrine. Theocrine is a, a methyl urate. It looks very structurally similar to caffeine, Hmm. but it has different action. So it's different action is mostly believe it or not as a dopamine agonist, as well as some lipid metabolism, like in the liver, right? So Hmm. kind of liver and dopamine is kind of its action. It also contains NAD3 also contains wasabi.
0: You mean, you mean like wasabi, spicy pea wasabi? Exactly. Yes.
1: Yes. And the third is a copper one. So it's, Reduced form, the bioavailable form, and I can go into why uh, if you would like, but that's the makeup of the. Yeah,
0: I want to know how those things are. So it's wasabi extract, theacrine, and what was the last one you said? Copper one, cuprous niacin. Copper one. Okay, so why those
1: three? So, what we were thinking. This is me and Hector early on. I said, "Hey." you know, what about, you know, theocrine for like, kind of like the anti-inflammatory action, you know, uh, kind of like cert 3 activation. So like, think of like liver function, lipid metabolism, this sort of thing, kind of like a healthy aging on the, uh, anti-inflammatory side, the defense. But I said, well, you know, aging is more than that. You know, it's mitochondrial function. What about, you know, copper? There's a depletion in soil over the last 50, 60 years for obvious reasons. And then he's and then he's like, yeah, that's cool, but what about something like wasabi, like broccoli, these things that have like isothiocyanates, these, you know, help with antioxidant status and more. So it was more about addressing multiple hallmarks of aging versus just saying, you know what, let's reduce all of aging to NAD plus. We all know that's not rational. So it was about trying to take three of these ingredients, combine them together to have, you know, to co- conquer like seven pillars of aging versus just one, for example.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So those three are working in combination. When I'm looking at the cell region label, though, you've got niacinamide, 125 milligrams of niacinamide. Then you have this NAD3, which makes sense. The wasabi extract, the theacrine, and the cuprous right. niacin. Right. Then there's resveratrol, spermidine, and black pepper extract in there. Why would you add those in? Right. So that's
1: a bio question. But if you are looking at, you know, resveratrol, that's obviously extremely famous. People know that from years ago, from Sinclair and sirtuin activation. But you know, also keep in mind that Mike was saying earlier that sirtuins, you know, are consuming NAD Right. So you know, having that substrate in there like a like a resveratrol is a nice way to preserve NAD plus status without it being consumed. Right. And then when you add in something like a spermidine, we call it youth. uh, you're looking at another pillar of aging, you know, autophagy. So we can go into that if if we want to, but I don't want to like talk too much and but the bottom line is looking at various pillars of aging. And why each of those combined into something greater than each of its individual parts?
0: Yeah, I've done podcasts on autophagy before. <laughs> you know the, the cellular cleanup, and I think a lot of my audience gets it. And and I've I've talked about spermidine before as well. I was just curious the reasoning behind throwing those in there along with the NAD three. But it it seems like a good formulation. It also kind of makes me think a little bit about whether or not you could do this too much. Like I, I used to know one doctor and he told me that he only takes NAD five days on and then he takes two days off because he doesn't want to overload himself with NAD. And then I came across this study by uh, Nicola Conlin that somebody forwarded to me. And the the study, and I'll link to it in the show notes, if you go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash ingredients, It's called A Systems Approach to NAD Restoration. And Mm -hmm. in that article, she goes into the idea that if you have excess inflammation, that too much NAD could be bad for you, or that if you're, uh, I think the other argument in there is that potentially if you have poor methylation status, it might also be bad for you, which I thought was interesting because a lot of people who get... NAD IVs feel better if they take a methyl donor prior, like trimethylglycine or SAMe or something like that. But what are you guys' thoughts on this idea that you know too much NAD could be bad for you? I can take a stab.
2: Um, so right, if, if you if you just look for the magic pill and then you don't change your lifestyle, right, and you you're sort of still susceptible to this inflammation thing. I mean, you are providing. Right. If we take the niacinamide, we boost the NAD plus and cells. Oh, but then, by the way, right now we have a substrate for something like cd 38 to consume it and propagate inflammation. That's where I think you can perhaps see a little bit of trouble. Um, That's hypothetical. And I haven't read into that. I mean, the only study, you know, I found a very intriguing uh, research article from the Buck Institute where they had developed mice that didn't have the CD38 gene, and then they showed, you know, feeding with precursors uh, clearly had a conferred benefit. Um, not sure if they looked at any sort of uh, secondary inflammation status, the point being that, right, we have a clear link, uh, CD38 in immune cells can use this as a substrate that can promote inflammation. You can even search PubMed or Google Scholar, and you can see this link between like inflammatory bowel disease, and people making the argument uh, that um, substrates for that being an eighty plus could sort of exacerbate that process. So I'm always a big proponent, and I preach this uh, in classes on podcasts. Right? I mean, get you know, supplements are what they are, and that is um, we're looking to enhance, but we're not looking as the supplement to cure uh, you know the ailments that you may or may not have. Uh, and that really starts with cleaning up the diet, not drinking as much, not smoking to Matt's point, and, and certainly consistently exercising. Uh, once you get into that, in my opinion, once you get into that routine, then from there you start really tinkering with supplements, um, because you've, you've established a nice baseline. Does that all make sense?
0: Yeah. And also based on my understanding of that paper, especially if you have some genetic methylation issues, not only kind of stopping up the leaks of inflammation if they exist prior to starting mm-hmm. in the hefty NAD supplementation but also addressing methylation issues like getting really good bioavailable folate you know avoiding yep. supplements that might contain synthetic folic acid or cereals and grains fortified with synthetic folic acid and even considering something like you know organ meat or liver consumption to get really bioavailable methyl groups on board you know that my takeaway from that paper was You know, don't start taking a bunch of NAD to band-aid an issue. Instead, use that to support your body, but address inflammation from a wide variety of of sources, and then make sure that you test and address methylation status.
2: Well, here's a little secret, Ben. So, you know, uh, we wear a lot of hats, and some of the stuff that we do is just we want to look what exercise does, regardless of supplementation. And uh, we worked with a researcher that's really good with DNA methylation arrays. We had people lift weights and we took biopsies like hours afterwards. Exercise can vastly and robustly affect muscle DNA methylation. Mm-hmm. Um, we did another study showing with aging, for instance, you're going to have mitochondrial DNA and muscle. It is hypermethylated and that when you exercise and these are older individuals, but you promote chronically this hypomethylation so that. You can have mitochondrial DNA replication. You can have mitochondrial DNA transcription to, you know, make eventually the electron transport chain protein. So again, it comes down to like, I think exercise is first. And I mean, clearly conflict of interest, right? I'm in the school of kinesiology. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you have to really do these things from the lenses of, Hey,
1: we need to get physically active. And then from there, how can we support the system? Right. I'd also like to jump in and say, um, you know, didn't you study when we were, when you were studying N 3 we obviously found that it didn't hypo or hypermethylate, right? It was quite, quite balanced, but didn't we look at another um, um, NAD plus precursor and it was hypermethylating.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. In other words, to Ben's point, you can like overdo it, I guess you know, to Ben's point, right? So oh, yeah, yeah, exercise may recover that, Yep. but that, that was something that we actually did to make sure that we were not hypermethylating, but you could, because we actually tested and it did it's yeah. another.
2: Yeah. Uh, and so the, the, stu- just for the listeners, a study we did, um, and this was in collaboration with Tim Ziegenfuss and, and, uh, late great Hector Lopez, but, um, there was a placebo group involved, and there was NAD3, and then we have a little bit of preliminary data with NAD3 plus a precursor, uh, but we're still sort of analyzing that. Long story short, we put out sort of the early work with just placebo versus NAD3 uh, groups. These are humans. Uh, we had baseline sort of pre-intervention blood draws where we isolated the uh, PBMCs, which is uh, you know immune cells, for lack of a better term, from the blood. And then after supplementation, which was 12 weeks, we again took those cells from the placebo and the uh, NAD3 group, and um, we did DNA methylation arrays, and we saw less erratic methylation. Now, what, what does that mean, right? So over the intervention, there was less hypermethylation of the DNA in these immune cells, and there was less hypomethylation relative to the control group. Hmm. Uh, so that's that's interesting. The other thing we did was we did a technique that's called transcriptomics. So you can look at all of the messenger RNAs that are being expressed in those cells. Uh, There were a lot of them. There's not like one or two I can say, hey, these, you know, these are, these are critically important. Some were um, affected in a positive light that were related to DNA repair. But when you take this list of differentially expressed mRNAs through the intervention between the NAD3 group and the control group, and you do uh, sort of this in silico technique on the computer, you know, saying, okay, this, this basket of mRNAs, what does this represent? There were a couple of things that I thought was really interesting. One of which was, we see this reduction in uh, ER stress, and that's potentially because it's predicted through these mRNA
0: signatures, right? So. You, You mean, you mean endoplasmic reticulum stress?
2: Stress. That's right. Yeah, sorry. So endoplasmic reticulum stress, which if it becomes dysfunctional with aging, that can cause set cellular apoptosis, cell damage and, and the like, right? Uh, mitochondrial damage, you name it. So that was interesting. Another one, which I was like, you know, what's going on here is that the mRNA signature in 83 versus control with that intervention was predicted to lower mRNA transcription in these cells. So I thought, initially, this is not good. (laughs) We need mRNA transcription, right? Just for the cell to function. We'll come to find out, did a little bit of digging there. And this is like 2023 science, but aging researchers are saying one of the reasons why cells may age is that we have sort of this aberrant and uncontrolled mRNA transcription. It's almost like this um, situation where there's not tight regulation. And so we have too much mRNA transcription, so, again, found that interesting. Can I link an ingredient in N83 to that effect? That's what we're continuing to do with, with Matt, right, is, is saying, hey, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's do this in vitro. Let's see what's going on. But this is part of what Matt's talking about, which is, you know, lowered inflammation. Another thing was improved blood lipids, and we thought that operated through the liver. And then third, you know, using this PBMC model in humans, we're seeing unique, you um, gene expression signatures, which are leading us to the next step in terms of research.
0: So, Yeah, that makes sense. What about the idea that, what's it called, a taphylactic response when you start to get used to something that you're taking, which I think might also be a reason that that doctor was telling me he goes five days on, two days off with his NAD supplementation. You think there's any reason for that? You think that the body can get used to oral NAD supplementation? Like any any, any feedback loops or anything like that that you guys have heard of?
2: Are there feedback loops? I'm not aware of any data on feedback loops. Can you consume too much? Uh, you know, researching the um, just the precursors alone, uh, if you go to like the NIH's website for the Office of Dietary Supplements, right, uh, once you start getting to pretty high doses, so we're talking about over a gram per day, Um, you can have side effects like GI distress, um, certain liver enzymes are actually elevated in the blood, which would indicate that you have, you know, tissue damage. Um, you can certainly have hypotension and things and things of that nature. So I think, yes, you can take too much, like people that are enthusiasts are like, Hey, you know, NAD plus, we need to boost that as soon as possible. Let me take double, triple the dose. Not a good idea, in my opinion, with the precursors, um, In terms of these defensive mechanisms, right, what Matt's speaking to, uh, we just don't have the data, uh, to be quite honest. I mean, I think that's an interesting area of study. But um, what I can say is based on the human work we've done, we didn't see any of the sort of clinical uh, signs of like tissue damage. When you get uh, blood draw at the doctor's office, for instance, you get a lot of um, tissue enzymes that would indicate as to whether or not you're seeing. You know, muscle damage, liver damage, kidney damage—none of that stuff uh, popped off the charts uh, over a twelve-week study. But you know,
1: um, I don't know, Matt. What did, did you want to add to that? No, I just, I agree. I think uh, you know, overconsuming is not <laughs> really said. a good idea. <laughs> what yeah, what you said. said. I yeah, over is just not a, not a good idea.
0: Yeah. Well. You know, the other thing that obviously people do massive doses via IV. I've done that before. I've done many NAD IVs. I've probably done like, I don't know, close to 50 of them over the past maybe seven years or so. And, you know, that's a thousand MIGs sometimes, a thousand MIGs plus. Um, I've used, I've talked about this before on my podcast. I've, I've used NAD patches like to do the slow delivery of 500 to typically like 800 milligrams transdermally. Uh, there's one company called Ion Layer that makes those. I've even done NAD suppositories. like I've done that for like long-haul plane flights before. Uh, there's one company called Mitozen where I've gotten NAD suppositories. What do you guys think of some of these alternate routes of NAD delivery, whether it's IV or transdermal or rectal? Have you guys messed around with that at all? Do you have any opinion on it? Matt?
1: It feels, it, it feels, it, honestly, it feels over engineered. You know, I, I'm not like necessarily a, against it, What I'm just thinking to myself is if, if that study that Mike mentioned from 2020 showed NR, NMN, and uh, niacinamide increased NAD, then, then why are we taking it rectally or IV or, you know, anything else? And that, or if you can exercise and keep things, you know, balanced, um, or you can take like NAD regen. Why, you know, it just feels over-engineered, I guess is my point. I
0: don't know. The claim I've heard is better cellular uptake when you bypass oral administration, you know, that, that type of argument.
1: Yeah. But I guess it's like creatine, you know, it's already bioavailable. Do you want it more bioavailable? Um, I guess how much I guess, how much more bioavailable is that? Like, is that oral administration? So, like, let's say lacking in bioavailability to the point where you're not boosting or feeling well, well, then obviously you go that IV or rectal route.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I think originally, like, a lot, a lot of the IVs were used for, um, like, addiction and detox. And maybe it's just because that high of a dose, as you were talking about earlier, Mike, wouldn't be that well-tolerated orally from a gastrointestinal distress standpoint, I mean, maybe that's mm. why if if certainly higher doses might help with detox or with addiction, you know, that, that, that type of thing, that maybe the the IVs were favored by a lot of these functional medicine doctors, and then later picked up by the biohacking community. But originally, just because you can't take that massive dose without gastric distress, you know?
2: Yeah. And the one thing to consider too is NAD plus itself um, to your point, you can't orally ingest it. It's not going to be bioavailable. And and two, it's, I mean, it's tricky to get a, it's not um, so it's not fat soluble, right? It's not going to just diffuse across a cell membrane and and transporter wise, there's not a good transporter system to get it across too. That's why you take the precursors. So the precursors can get into the cell and then the enzymes can, can use it to make NAD plus.
1: So um, to Ben's point, is that it is that you might take it just because let's say you're inflamed you're not exercising and you don't have the NAMPT enzyme to be converting and you know so to Ben's point it is lacking in bioavailability orally because you don't have the mechanism because you're inflamed let's just say an IV is direct
2: yeah And, and and I think this sort of speaks to, I'm not trying to talk over you, Matt, but I think I'm trying to loop in my thoughts to what you're saying, which is, and you brought up creatine. I think that's a beautiful example. Hey, man, look, creatine monohydrate works. Everyone's excited. Now, how can we improve? How can we improve? How can we improve? And so we sort of go through this as a research community, as a nutritional supplement, you know, marketing uh, standpoint, there's sort of this long march towards Let's improve delivery. Let's improve uh, bioavailability. Let's inject. Let's do this. Let's do that. But really, it's like, look, man, creatine monohydrate works. Should we have stopped there? (laughs) You know, (laughs) is there a point of diminished return? Is there a point of you you know? So, I mean, these are things that you have to consider when you're thinking about this stuff. And to Matt's point, you know, so far as we know, um, just niacinamide on the offensive side seems to be plenty good. Um, uh, I don't know if we're going to get into it and I don't know much about it, but like NMN, which is another precursor, right. Uh, was a supplement, no longer a supplement because the pharmaceutical companies took interest in that. And, and so, uh, yeah, just, just, um, not and,
0: yeah. Well, you just, you just, uh. You shot down my idea for preloaded syringes full of creatine monohydrate that you could ship out to somebody's house, you know, in some like injections. So. Thanks a lot yeah, for yeah. that. But but that, that thing you just mentioned about pharmaceutical <laughs> industries is interesting. I saw that. Like you can't get NMN anymore. So what exactly happened?
2: Matt probably knows more than I do on that front.
1: Yeah, so. apparently some pharmaceutical company said that they had filed an IND. And, you know, prior to becoming a supplement and pharma one, you know, so far, that's essentially the short story.
0: So you think there's going to be some pharmaceutical coming down the pipeline? That's basically really overpriced NMN that you could get covered by insurance or something like that? Word. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I know. First time. This man. First time ever. Yeah, I, I know I'm spitballing on a few random questions at you guys, but this is another thing I've been wondering about. I find NAD very stimulating. Like I mentioned, I've been taking the BioStacked cell regen stuff that you helped to uh, to formulate, Matt. And if I take that at night, I'll have a hard time sleeping. You know, same thing if I'll do like mm-hmm. a NAD suppository on a long-haul flight. Uh, I don't sleep so well. It's almost like too stimulating. Have you guys ever mm-hmm. seen research that looks into circadian rhythmicity in NAD or even just the best time of day and way in which to take it like with the meal, without a meal, like what's gold standard if you have this stuff as far as like how to, how to dose it and time it.
1: Matt, any thoughts on that? So I was thinking for uh, first, I was thinking about within NA3 is theocrine, which is a dopamine agonist. It also has been shown, you know, to, Elevate like mood, focus and energy. Mm. Almost like, remember Hector used to talk about uh, allosteric modulation, you know, essentially like it, it's a slight adenosine inhibitor like caffeine is, but it's a light one. So I think yeah. between it's like light adenosine inhibition, it's dopamine activation for like mood motivation.
0: Right. And since adenosine increases sleep drive, that might be why if I take, you know, the, the biostack lab stuff too late in the day, it might be overstimulating <laughs> for me. It could be. It could be particularly
1: okay. the the dose that you're taking. You asked a second question, which was, I, I, I lost it. Pardon me. It was, well, uh,
0: when, one, when do you like, do you take it with a meal, without a when? meal, you know, morning, afternoon, like, has there ever been any research on that?
1: No, I, I would just be surmising any thought, Mike. If you want yeah. And I'm trying to think back to the 12 week study
2: we had done in, in, uh, and in, in the humans. Um, I want to say it was in the morning. And I, I also want to say that it um, was taken with breakfast,
0: but
1: okay. I'll have to check. <laughs> yeah. okay. As a general rule, I would just take it in the morning, generally speaking.
0: Okay. Now, have either of you guys done the IVs? Like just seen what that feels like? Mm-mm.
1: No, I need to come over to your house, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> Don't I have a feeling it's like decked it's out. <laughs> I, I feel like it's decked I, out.
0: I did a 1,000-mig push IV of it once in about 11 minutes with a garbage can next to me for the uh, for the the overstimulating gastric distress. But normally, you know, it's like a wow. two- to four-hour sit with the drip IV. And even then, unless you're taking methyl donors, like trimethylglycine is probably the most popular one beforehand, you still have wow. a, a pretty large amount of butterflies in your stomach when you're doing it. But I feel this, and a lot of people do as well, like you feel pretty unstoppable for a few days after that massive of a dose of NAD via IV.
1: But you have to take it with TMG, with b you're saying?
0: If you want to stave off some of the uh, almost, it almost feels like excess sympathetic nervous system stimulation during, you know, might be, I don't know, depletion of methyl groups or you know, poor uptake or what, but a lot of doctors co-administer a methyl group along with it.
1: Well there we I mean there we go from the prior conversation, you know, or just a few minutes ago is you know, you're an N of one, but maybe that's that's it, is that you hypermethylate on over consumption of you know, NAD precursors and just take betaine with it if you want to go big. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. What about any any new research happening on NAD as far as things that it might help with or delivery mechanisms or Anything like that? Is there anything coming down the pipeline that you think would be cool for my listeners to know about?
2: Well, so I'll, I'll, little spoiler alert, right? With the, um, with the teocrine and the wasabi and the, uh, the cuprous niacin, we're doing a in vitro study on human liver cells. And we're looking at it more from a, a cellular resiliency autophagy. We're also some of those legacy markers. So we're looking at cellular NAD plus levels. And so that's done. Uh, that study was a contract through compound solutions. We're currently disentangling um, that data. Um, in terms of other stuff, Matt, do y'all have anything in the hopper?
1: Of course. And what we think is like more big picture on longevity. I mean, it was on the front of The Economist a couple of weeks ago. They said like, you know, living to 120, you know, it's arguably the most influential magazine in the world. So, you know, this is not going anywhere and we don't, we don't think it's just like settled on NAD3, you know, because we're going to keep going, right? Because we we will do that. But I think it's all these other uh, uh, pillars of aging. Now we have 12. So it, it seems silly that something like boosting NAD plus could be the one key when we have 12 pillars of aging. So if you look at like dysbiosis, for example, we're always talking about autophagy. We're always talking about senescence, you know, we're talking about like methylation status, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, um, but the, 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 12th is now dysbiosis. So how in the world does the gut interact with, you know, insulin sensitivity, for example, or mitochondrial function, which is obviously super, uh, correlated to aging. So I think the answer to the question is yes, we'll keep study NAD3, but we'll also be looking at combinations thereof.
0: Yeah, I actually just did a pretty interesting podcast it came out a few days ago with Colleen Cutcliffe, who makes an acromantia based product. We talked about the, uh, the gut metabolism axis and the gut brain axis. And, yeah, it is pretty interesting how we're seeing amongst the many dozen or so pathways of aging that dysbiosis plays a pretty significant role, You know, which obviously, again, when you look at functional medicine, and they often begin to treat disease in the gut or in the mouth or in the colon, the small intestine, the stomach, etc., you know, it kind of, kind of makes sense. So there's another person I interviewed named uh, Sandra Kaufman who kind of like rank prioritizes different supplements based on staving off the degradation of some of these pathways. And uh, I think NAD plays a pretty significant role in her book as well. Although it's interesting, I think the top of the totem pole based on all of her clusters of factors and research, I think it was like astaxanthin, which is like a pretty potent antioxidant. So it's really interesting. I just love to keep my finger on the pulse of all this and. You know, obviously, and I've said this before on podcasts, NAD is kind of like near the top of the totem pole for me, not only because I live a pretty hard charging lifestyle and I'm on planes and, you know, often sleeping less than I'd like to, et cetera. And, you know, hence my NAD creatine stack that I favor, <laughs> but I just feel good when I use this stuff. And this this, um, this cell regen seems pretty well formulated. Um, anything else you guys want to share in the last couple of minutes as far as NAD or anything else that, that you found or you think is important to know?
2: We've sort of talked about this, so I hopefully don't sound like a broken record, but um, I am intrigued with, with aging and NAD, and uh, I heard a really good friend who's also a researcher, you know, he said, at some point in your career, Mike, uh, research is going to become me-search, right? And um, I'm now 42, you know, I'll go and exercise, but things ache a little bit more, um, so a little bit more heightened inflammation after the fact. Um, and I just don't recover as well. So I've been, I've been intrigued with aging. I think we hit a lot of high points, which is clearly this, this, uh, metabolite 80 plus. There's a lot of solid ground to suggest that, Hey man, it's, it's going down with aging. Um, I'm also interested in cellular senescence. Uh, personally, I think that's a, that's sort of a big area, um, of research that's starting to pop out. Um, so like Nathan Labrassier, he's doing a lot of good work. Um, with Davis England, they're at, um, over in, in uh, Mayo Clinic uh, with skeletal muscle specifically. Uh, but you know, are, is are is senescent cells hanging around in the tissue? Are they really causing a lot of havoc? And are they blunting exercise adaptations? Are they causing anabolic resistance, for instance, as well? Uh, because they're secreting pro-inflamm- pro-inflammatory cytokines in the tissue, mm. um, so that. To me is what gets me really excited, um, and you know Matt hit on that right. Like I mean, we're seeing anti we're seeing anti inflammatory effects with theocrine. Uh, Not only us, but a lot of literature out there published today has shown that. So there's a lot of integration between my own interests and and, uh, and Matt's interests, where we'll continue to pursue some some mechanisms.
1: Cool. Yeah, and I and I'd say simply melding cellular and let's call it chemical to make a better you know healthy aging in other words starting with autophagy and mitophagy and mm-hmm. um, you know how to get rid of these you know how to make nice copies for cell renewal so they don't become senescent right yeah. like starting there and adding in you know things like n three and other exercise and things of this sort, I think is a cocktail, I think is the big picture that I think you have been explained, you know, on innumerable occasions and in your guests. And I just want to reiterate a cocktail versus a singular ingredient or thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a big takeaway from that massive mm-hmm. article I released a few weeks ago on NAD. I know a, f- a few people, I think that you were involved with, Matt, helped contribute to that article. But I'll link to it if you go to yes. bengreenfieldlife.com slash ingredients. Cause yeah, I get deep into you know, sauna practices and fermented food and some of the exercise Mm -hmm. protocols that Mike was talking about, uh, the ins and outs of the cell regen stuff, NAD3, and a lot more. So if you want like that deep nerdy propeller hat, scientific dive, also check out that article. And, uh, from what I understand, you can even get AI or GPT or whatever these days to read it to you. So you don't have to read it. (laughs) Um, so Ben Greenfield com slash ingredients is where I'll link to that, uh, Mike and Matt, I'll link to all your stuff as well. And uh, I think I've got a discount code somewhere for the cell regen from BioStack, which I've been stacking along with the cell shield, which we don't really have time to go into now, but I think it's a pretty good one-two combo in my pantry. And um, yeah, I'll look to all that. com slash ingredients. Hey, guys, this has been fun. Super insightful. Thanks for fielding all my dumb questions about NAD.
2: You're good. Hey, fun. man, can, can, can I get one shout out here? Um My wife, Ben, she loves you. Actually, I went at this before I signed on. So I was doing a postdoc in in Missouri. We met there. She's a lawyer, super smart. Uh, Driving back to see her folks in Kansas City, listen to a podcast. And and she's like, have you heard this guy? I'm like, no, who is this? This is back in 2011. Ben Greenfield. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Kristen Roberts, my (laughs) wife. Band, so. that's awesome way back, back in, the day, in the old day. school dude that's awesome um all right well cool i'll link to that 2011 podcast in the show notes as well if People you want to hear my <laughs> my high-pitched zip teenage voice podcasting um yeah. no i'm joking i'm actually almost 42 myself mike so thanks for the warning on the post-exercise soreness i'll be ready for it <laughs> um all right guys well thanks so much uh folks uh, this has been mike roberts and matt titlow i've been talking to uh along with me ben greenfield Signing out from bengreenfieldlife.com. Again, show notes are bengreenfieldlife.com slash ingredients. So you can take a deeper dive into all these fantastic ingredients for upping your own NAD and keeping it from being depleted. All right, Mike and Matt, I'll talk to you later, guys. Well, this is pretty cool. Just put the finishing touches on a luxury VIP retreat in the Swiss mountains. So you may have seen a little bit of rumblings about this on social media. But the beautiful Six Senses Retreat. All inclusive luxury locale in beautiful Crans Montana, Switzerland has graciously allowed me to bring a maximum of up to 10 folks, and this could be individuals, couples, families, into a transformative experience there where I'm going to lead breath work, hikes. Workouts. You'll get hands on foraging adventures with nature's freshest ingredients in their cooking class locale there. You're going to get a chance to do amazing spa treatments, a meticulously curated program. You'll get to meet my wife and my sons who will be there. Again, families are welcome. You can bring one or two or three kids. You can make it a couples retreat. If you want to go solo, you can. There's a limited number of rooms where we're prioritizing couples and families. But again, If you want to get in, this thing is coming up around the corner, April 17th through the 21st, 2024. So it will be all-inclusive. You'll want to fly into Geneva, Switzerland, assuming you want to get into the closest airport. I've already got our flights. Uh, You'll want to mic your calendar for April 17th through the 21st. And here's how to get in. You go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash 6senses24. And again, it's going to be incredible. All the way down to like evening sing-alongs and stargazing and yoga and meditation. And again, the spa there is incredible. 6senses is known for having incredible retreats around the world. But this one in Switzerland is supposed to be one of the best. I can't wait. I led a retreat in Portugal last year and people just said it was the most amazing experience of their lives. This one will be just as good, if not better. So go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash senses 24 and you can get in on this retreat that's coming up right around the corner, April 17th through the 21st. I hope to see you there. Want free access to comprehensive show notes, my weekly roundup, cutting edge research and articles, my top recommendations for everything that you need to hack your life, and much more? Visit bengreenfieldlife.com. In compliance with the FTC guidelines, please assume the following about links and posts on this site. Most of the links going to products are often affiliate links of which I receive a small commission from sales of certain items, but the price is the same for you, and sometimes I even get to share a unique and somewhat significant discount with you. In some cases, I might also be an investor in a company I mentioned. I'm the founder, for example, of Keon LLC, the makers of Keon branded supplements and products, which I talk about quite a bit. Regardless of the relationship, if I post or talk about an affiliate link to a product, it is indeed something I personally use, support, and with full authenticity and transparency, recommend in good conscience. I personally vet each and every product that I talk about. My first priority is providing valuable information and resources to you that help you positively optimize your mind, body, and spirit. And I'll only ever link to products or resources, affiliate or otherwise, that fit within this purpose. So there's your fancy legal disclaimer.